passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley. I'm joined by Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran. We are here for our weekly coast-to-coast podcast talking UNC basketball. Guys, UNC only played one game last week. They only have one game this week as well. It's a matchup on the 20th against the Elon Golden Eagles. I think that's, is that their mascot, Sherelle? Elon, or are they the Phoenix? Put me on the spot. I think think they're the Phoenix, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Who are the Golden Eagles? Is that is that like GW? I don't know. Marquette is the Golden something. Okay. We're off to a great start. I know, right? <laughs> I, I got to get caught up on my team mascots. But the Elon Thank Phoenix. You know, Larry Fedora, no. Southern Miss. Elon used to be the Fighting Christians. Yes, I did know that, actually. <laughs> that is a fun bit of trivia. Well, they will be facing off against Carolina this week. We will go ahead and talk about that game here in a little bit. But guys, let's just start with your quick recaps of the matchup against Gardner-Webb from this past weekend. You know, I thought that hearing the post game with Dewey Burke, he did a great job of breaking that one down. I think he echoed a lot of both the positives and negatives that, that I saw personally in that game. But Sean, let's go ahead and start with you, man. What was your kind of takeaway from that Gardner-Webb matchup? Well, I think I was expecting a little bit of a uh, easier first half. They were 25-point favorites and up, I think, three at the half. So it was uh, it was definitely a slow start. I don't think it was ever like Evansville, Kentucky, where you fully thought they were going to pull an upset, but um, you know would have liked it to be a little easier breathing room. Cole Anthony played extremely well again, and, and this time, three games in, you had the other uh, highly rated freshman, Armando Baycott, come in and have uh, his best game of the season. So that was that was good to see him playing as well as he did. I think on the negative side, uh, once again, just some of the offensive output from everybody outside of, of those two leaves something to be desired, especially the outside shooting. Right now they went six of 18, only made two threes outside of Cole, and then uh, Shea Rush won late in the, in the game, I believe. So I think that is going to be, you know, after the Elon game, an area that that definitely needs to improve when they go on their tougher stretch. Uh, but once again, it was a game for, I think, Pierce and, and Playtech and, and Leaky Black um, and Keeling just to try to get another game, uh, you know, under their belts and, and onto, uh, onto the next one. Definitely agree with, with all that, Sean, especially, you know, the offense there outside of Cole and Armando. Sherelle, what did you see from those freshman guys? Uh, you know, I, I like kind of what I saw from them in, in stretches. And I think that's the thing that's going to be the issue for North Carolina, you know, until 
probably February, somewhere around there. It's just we, we've talked about the inconsistency and how the inconsistency is going to be the status quo and that they'll look good for five minutes and maybe look horrible for eight. I mean, there were some stretches in that game that were just dreadful basketball to watch, if we're being honest. But, you know, they've put up 76, 78, and 77 points in their three games. So, you know, the competition is going to stiffen up. They're going to have to get more from um, the kind of ancillary scores. Uh, Baycott, I think, is the most important one, honestly, outside of Cole when it comes to scoring just because he'll open things up for everybody else, um, especially cold driving. So I, I think that's kind of what I'm looking towards is to see if they can turn a five-minute stretch of consistent play into seven and then turn that into nine and then turn that into 15 and into a half and into a game. And then what leadership are you seeing right now, Sherelle, from those upperclassmen guys? Because we, we've talked about it that this team – is pretty much already Cole's team. But I think it's a lot to ask of him to carry the heels for the entire season. And there are guys that have been in this program for a while now. So when you're looking at their contributions at this point, what's your take on that? Well, I'll, I'll answer that by saying you're a comic book person like me. You you watch the movies. What would Uncle Ben say to Spider-Man if he asked you that question? <laughs> uh, he would say with great, what is it? With great, with great power, power mm-hmm. comes great responsibility. Right. And so Cole is one of the more talented players UNC has ever signed. And because he is that way, um, he's just going to have to deal with it. Like that's that's kind of what you want if you want to be the guy. You have to have that pressure on your shoulder. And I, I don't know if it's really going to change that much. Garrison can be a leader in some aspects, but we've talked about this since he signed. This is Cole's team and it's going to be Cole's team. Um, and that's not changing. So I think the, you know, Brooks and Robinson can help, you know, during an ACC game, um, you know, when they're down seven with four minutes left and say, hey, we've, you know, three years ago, we were playing this team and we came back from eight down with four minutes left and won the game. This is how we did it. I think they can help in that regard. But anything else, I think it's all Cole. And then, Sean, in that game against Gardner-Webb, Cole Anthony played his fewest minutes of the season so far. And there was a definite drop-off there. But I think Leaky Black, it seems to me like he is really kind of molding himself into that backup point guard role. And I'm just impressed with his, just all of the different things that he brings to the court. I think in that Gardner-Webb game, he had six assists and only two turnovers. Is that something that you think Tar Heel fans can get to the point where they don't kind of lose hope when Cole Anthony is not on the floor? Yes, I, I do. I think, you know, Leahy Black is going to be an interesting player to watch. Once again, a sophomore, didn't really get a whole lot of playing time last year. So still coming into his own. And I think Right now, the expectations are a little higher for him just because of every everybody that Carolina lost. But when I was watching that game, you know, I thought he was at his best, uh, you know, sometimes either when Cole wasn't in the game or when Cole's maybe playing off the ball and Leakey would come in, get a defensive rebound and push the ball up the court. Because uh, I think that's where he is at his strongest, where he can make decisions on the fly, use his height. Uh, uses good passing ability and get people the ball in spots where they can score. When he's playing off the ball, uh, you know, he's he's kind of rendered uh, useless almost at, at times because right now he's not an outside shooting threat. Uh, he's only taken one three-pointer on the year. He's 5 of 17 from two. And I know he likes kind of the mid-range jump shot, but he hasn't been hitting on those just yet. You know, Ken Palm is a site that I love to to look at. And right now, one of his similar player profiles is Theo Pinson as a freshman. Um, and I think we can all remember 
how that how that year went for Theo. So in terms of Leaky coming on as a secondary ball handler, I think that's where he's going to be strongest, just given, given his attributes of his size, his ball handling, and, and his passing ability. Um, but with Cole playing the predominant amount of minutes, he's going to need to figure out how he can really make an impact next to Cole uh, for this team to you know, advance and, and do as well as, as we're all hoping. In our last podcast, Sean, we talked a lot about Christian Keeling and Pierce as well, but Keeling actually had a very solid game against Gardner-Webb. He was four of nine from the field, now one of only one of four from three-point, but still, he put in nine points, two blocks, which one block was a highlight reel. He really showed off his athleticism there, but also contributing four rebounds. I take that as a big-time positive that Keeling may kind of be getting used to the system. What were your thoughts about him and how big of a deal do you think this will be for him moving forward? Yeah, I think, you know, between this game, the next game of once again, similar to what we talked about last week of using this to get, just get reps and get these under his belt. Uh, you know, I think he, he struggled with his shot early on. He did make a three, which I think will be great for his confidence. So between that and the block, you could see maybe him starting to think, okay, I can, I can play at this level. I think going against Gardner Webb helped similar to Justin Pierce going against an old CAA team the week before. But once Robinson comes back, you know, he's going to be taking over Keeling's role for the most part. But I really think for Keeling, if he if we can get, you know, 15 minutes off the bench of solid play from him, I think that'll be able to really help out a lot. So right now for him is just to get get reps and ideally to see a little improvement each game. And I think we're able to see a little bit, um, you know, for that one, he still had an offensive rating under a hundred in that one. So, you know, still not a, an amazing effort, but you saw the the rebounding and the passing and the block shot. So there's definitely a few snippets and hopefully there can be a few more uh, this coming week. Speaking about Brandon Robinson, we have still not seen him this season as well. Anthony Harris, the other guard who could potentially be another secondary ball handler. You know, he's still out with injury as well. Jeremiah Francis, again, I think his is a little bit more longer term. But Sherelle, when you're looking at those Tar Heels that are injured right now, do we have any sort of timetable at this point, three games into the season, when they might be able to play? So for Robinson, uh, Coach Williams, after the game, before the game or after the game on Friday, said that he you know, could be back soon. And, uh, you know, I'm not breaking any news or anything. This is just me guessing based upon what people saw in warm-ups. But I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a few minutes on Wednesday. If not, then he'll def- I think he'll definitely be ready uh, for Atlantis. I think they maybe want to get him back just to have a game under his belt before they go to that you know, level of competition um, down in the Bahamas. So. I think he's really, really close. Um, they said December for Harris, which will be about a year post ACL surgery. So I, I take them at their word that I guess sometime in December. Manly, they still say uh, out indefinitely, no timetable. And that one, you know, just is just really tough because no one's exactly sure what the issue is other than it's his knee. Um, so it could be something systemic or something degenerative. Just nobody really knows. And then Francis, again, even if he gets healthy, it's just a lot to ask of him to to give them really anything this year, just because he hasn't played um, in a competitive basketball game since July of 2017. So that's a long time. 
But let's take a quick moment to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They're your place to go for Carolina gear. If you're going to be attending UNC's last home football game against Mercer or one of the home basketball games or really any game because there are a lot of Olympic sports that are also going on right now. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill, make sure that you swing by Franklin Street where Giant T-Shirt has been in business for decades. They have the absolute best customer service. They have a huge range of gear for any sport that you could possibly want. And if you can't make it to Franklin Street, you can always shop online at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com where you can enjoy the same great customer service and the same huge selection. You can also buy something for the Tar Heel fan in your family for the upcoming holidays. They have hundreds of great gift ideas. And if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders. That's either in-store on Franklin Street or at GiantT-Shirt.com. You can get that 10% off code from the Inside Carolina Premium Basketball Message Board or the Premium Football Message Board. Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. All right, Sean, let's go ahead and go back to you because with Elon coming up, UNC gets another warm-up type opponent. Elon, though, I mean, they're a pretty decent team this year, but when you're looking at the schedule after Elon, the difficulty really ramps up. So if there's one thing that you would really want to see out of this team going up against the Phoenix, what would it be at this point? With that right now, I think the spread will be north of 30 points. So, um, you know, hopefully... Hopefully it's not a close one, but the one thing I'll be looking at is three-point shooting. Uh, I think, you know, once they, maybe not, maybe not so much Alabama, but between Ohio State and Virginia, really back-to-back. I mean, Virginia hasn't allowed anybody over, I think, 42 points right now. Really, it's three-point shooting. So Justin Pierce, I think, uh, is going to be crucial coming off the bench in terms of his shooting ability and and able to fill the break, uh, this kind of the secondary break. Hopefully he can start shooting a little bit like he did against UNC Wilmington. I think if Keeling can can get one to two, and then you have Playtech, who I think has been playing really well and has a lot of confidence, but there's a few oppor- you know wide open opportunities he had in the first half against Gardner Webb, and if he can start knocking those down consistently off the bench, I think that will be uh, an extreme help. But you need to be able to hit more than six threes in a game, uh, especially to open things up for the big guys uh, down low. Now, Sherelle, I'm going to name a player for Elon. And tell me if you've heard this story before. Marcus Sheffield II, he has led the team in scoring for three out of their four games. He's averaging 17.3 points per game. Could this be another example of a guard for another team that just goes crazy against the heels and causes the meltdowns that we love to see on, on the message board? I mean, I'll be honest, I, until you said Marcus Sheffield there, I've never heard of the person. And that's no disrespect <laughs> to Elon, but, you know, you're covering North Carolina, and that's not something you really uh, are familiar with. I, I mean, you know, one thing I, th- I think we can say, Carolina's defense has been, I think, average to above average this season. And I think uh, Cole's a big part of that. I think Andrew Playtech, honestly, has been a big part of that. And I think, obviously, Garrison Brooks is, you know, the best defensive player on the team. So, you know, he, he could, he's, it's, it's possible, but I wouldn't put any, uh, any amount of money on it or anything. I think for North Carolina, they need to have a good performance where they take a, a p- opponent who's not as gifted as Roll Williams would say as they are, and they show it. You know, they get out to a good lead. They don't let him hang around. Um, they get up 25 to 30 and just hang around from there. I think they, that's not that the team isn't confident, but I think it'll help them moving forward into Atlantis because all three games that they've had have been nip and tuck for a little bit. I mean, against UNCW, they you know they started to pull away again towards the middle part of the second half. They started pulling away, 
And then they did the same thing uh, against uh, Garner Webb. So you'd like to see them just go in, handle their business, get an easy win, and then get ready for, you know, the ramping competition. Sean, let me ask you this. Looking at the pace of play, I know that that you've mentioned that you love looking at the stats and everything. Against Gardner-Webb, it it just looked to the eye like a very slow game. UNC has not really had the the type of scoreline that you would really expect from a Roy Williams team. I mean, looking at it here, you know, they have yet to break 80 points. Do you think that that's a trend that will continue this week or... Do you think that UNC may be able to break that and actually get out there and really run up a score into the 90s like we see them do in the early part of seasons? Great question. I think they'll get into the 80s. Uh, whether or not they get into the, the 90s is, a, is another question. Uh, you mentioned the tempo and, and how slow it looked. And just from the, the stats, now obviously it's not all on Carolina. It's dependent on how other teams are, are doing as well. But they went from uh, ranking 12th in tempo last week down to 24th. And then... One of the numbers we brought up last week was the average possession length, which was the longest it's been in Roy Williams' tenure at UNC. And I think uh, there's a quote from Justin Pierce after the game, you know, talking about how they needed to get into their shots quicker and it couldn't, they couldn't really rely on Cole to break down the defense at the end of the shot clock. So I think if they're able to get early, you know, good shots early on as well as push the tempo a little bit more, uh, it should be a little easier to do against Elon. Um, but you know, that's something they're going to need to definitely work on because um, right now it's not kind of the standard Carolina offensive team that everybody's used to. All right. And Sherelle, kind of last thoughts for you on the basketball side before we turn it over to recruiting. What is the main thing that you're looking for for UNC in their matchup against Elon before they do head down to Nassau for the Atlantis matchups? I think we've said it. The, the three-point shooting is really important. And I think just dominating an opponent physically um you know they have garrison brooks who's six eight and they have armando baycott who's six nine six ten i want to see them take advantage of that and you know they've done it to some degree but i think they can do better as far as uh dominating in the paint dominating on the boards i i think it's a type of game where even if they miss a shot it shouldn't matter they should be able to clean up the glass and just have a ton of offensive rebounds and just dominate in the paint so that's that's what i'm looking for can they you know, convert on the three-point opportunities they get? Um, can they have the discipline to not take a ton of threes and get a, the best shot possible? And then can they dominate in the paint against an inferior opponent? All right, great stuff, guys. Let's go ahead and take our last commercial break. And when we get back, let's go ahead and talk recruiting. We'll be right back after these messages. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran. So we're going to be doing a little bit of a running segment here on the Coast to Coast podcast where we're going to be breaking down UNC's five commits in the class of 2020. Going to begin this week with Walker Kessler. So, Rel, going to turn it over to you, man. When you're looking at Walker Kessler, what type of player is UNC really getting out of the center? I think above all else, John, what they're getting is an offensive player who's very versatile. Um, you know, he's seven foot tall, a legit seven foot, not someone who's six nine and, you know, he throws his height up to seven foot. He's legit seven foot tall. Um, he's a good shooter and not someone who has a reputation of a good shooter, but between high school and AU, he's around 40% from three. And it's not a small si- uh, sample size either. So you can consider him that. And then he has a 7'4 wingspan, which is very similar to uh, Brendan Wright, um, who Rowan signed back in 2006. So he's he's got all that going for him. Um, he's you know versatile. He can shoot. He can score on the block. Um, he's long, which helps him defensively. So I think all that helps. And then he runs the floor really well for somebody who's seven foot, almost 250 pounds. So you add all that together, and you have a really dynamic, versatile offensive weapon. I think above all else that is what sticks out. Now he can do some things defensively too. We, we talked about his wingspan, seven, four. Um, when you're seven foot and with a seven, four wingspan is very easy to block shots. You don't, especially in high school, you only have to jump sometimes. So that helps him because he does have some uh, deficits when it comes to lateral quickness. So that helps him make up for that. And in North Carolina system, as we know, when, when they play two bigs, he's going to sometimes have to hedge on screens and that will result in him, you know, sometimes switching and being off on a guard. So he's going to have to do those kind of things. He's going to have to uh, play some uh, face-up fours, you know, the Jason Tatums and Brandon Ingrams of the world in college basketball. And he's going to have to learn how to defend them and, and move his feet. But overall, I just think he is, you know, the, the perfect like prototype Roy Williams big man. It's like you put Luke May and like John Henson together and you get this, you know, wonderful player. I, I don't mean that literally more figuratively um just because he can do some of the things that's please don't take that literally y'all um just because he can do some of the things that various big men have done uh in the past at carolina no you've already started sherelle it, it's over with everyone's going to expect him to come in and just like average 25 a game and 14 rebounds and seven blocks right right and i mean when I, when so let's go back to that so he's not as athletic as john henson he's not as good of a shot blocker as john henson um so let's just let's i was just kind of getting carried away there but he is a combination of several big men that roe williams has had in the past and i think he's the most offensively versatile player that roe williams has signed as far as bigs personally all right so sean kessler over under points per game as a freshman 18 and a half what do you think about that <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll go heavy on the under on that one. <laughs> oh man, come on. <laughs> um, I, I will say I, I, out of the very strong class that they have coming him, I, I love, I love sharp and it's been great to see his improvement over the past, uh, few years, but I'd say Kessler is the one I'm 
really the most intrigued by. And even even when I first saw him, this is going back, uh, I guess, the summer before his senior year. Watched him at the Adidas tournament, and it was probably one of his worst games that he had. But even though he was missing missing some shots, I just loved how you know his form on on his shot uh, and kind of for a big guy, uh, just the touch he had. And I know Sherelle was at the game yesterday and I was able to watch it on mm-hmm. YouTube this morning. And, you know, there's definitely a few times where he just, he caught it. I mean, he didn't even bring the ball down and a few feet behind the line, just, you know, shot it like it was a, a 10, 12 foot jump shot. So I think that's going to be his, his biggest strength and will will make it easier for him to adapt to the uh, the college level, because as Shrill said, there you know there's things he definitely needs to improve on. But when you have a skill like that, uh, it'll make it easy for him to to earn some time. Well, let's actually talk about that game that he played, and we'll go ahead and wrap the podcast up on that. Shrill, watching that, what were your major takeaways from seeing his performance? Um, so to get the full ones. Uh, you know, feel free to, to sign up for Inside Carolina Premium. We always uh, like when people do that. There's a lot of good stuff in there. So I can't give away it all. I think um, one I can share is just, like I said, his offensive versatility um, really was impressive. You know, I, I personally hadn't seen him. Uh, th- I didn't see him this summer at all because, you know, to some degree, we weren't sure North Carolina was still recruiting him back in, in May and June. We weren't sure what was going on there, so we didn't give him as much attention as some of their other targets. At any rate, um, seeing him before his junior year, um, you know, he's always had that offensive versatility, always had the skill. I think now you're starting to see him expand that range out, and he also is learning how to use his body in the post. Like with big guys, a lot of times they aren't comfortable in themselves yet because, you know, they're kind of gangly and they're still growing and they're like, what is going on here? But he has great footwork. Um, He had a turnaround jumper. It was really impressive. I mean, just what it took for him to do that. Um, The ability to create space, the ability to fall away, the ability to keep his form, the ability to shoot it over a defender, to have the strength to get it to the rim, just everything that it takes to do that one move was, was super impressive. And I think that's because he's been trained and we'll get into some of this more this week um, on the premium message board and a couple of premium stories. But I think it's because he's been trained as not just a big guy, but as a basketball player. And so he's expected by the folks who are training him to do all the things that everybody else on the court does in addition to his big man duty. So I, I think that's really a big part of it. All right. Great stuff. Sean, anything to add to that? Or did Rel sum it up kind of perfectly there? Because it sounded like, I, I mean, I don't really know if there's if you could add anything to that. No, I'm not going to try, try to add anything to that. I, I enjoyed reading the write-up last night about the game. Uh, I was kind of, you know, I didn't even feel like I had to watch the game after reading Rell's write-up, but it was on, on YouTube, so it was good to to see and then kind of, you know, see what he had written and, and how it played out. But between that and then the Kenny Smith article, uh, great job by Sherelle this week. Oh, the Kenny Smith article is great. I would strongly encourage everyone to read that one as well. Guys, we'll go ahead and call this one to a end then. Before we go, though, have a little bit of football business to cover. And actually, this is going to be a quick trivia question for you two guys. UNC is playing Mercer on Saturday. What do you think the first year was that UNC and Mercer ever played each other in football? I'll give you a hint. It's way early. Uh, 1942. I'll just do. I'm a, like Tommy says. I'm gonna price is right you and just go 1928. Okay. Wow. Wow. Actually, Sherelle, you are really close. 1925. 
Uh, Believe it or not. Yeah, I know, right? Well, for everyone listening in, if you have been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast throughout the entire football season, you know that that is going to be the code to enter the IC ticket giveaway. It is for a pair of tickets where you can sit right next to our very own Buck Sanders, very close to Mr. Tommy Ashley himself. You can enter that code 1925-1925 on the Tar Pit message boards. Just go to the thread there, enter in that code, and you can be entered in for the drawing. And then we'll wrap it up with this, guys, as well. Looking at our recruiting bio for next week, I think we're going to cover Dayron Sharp. Are we all in agreement on that one? Yep. Looking forward Mm -hmm. to it. Yep. All right, good deal, guys. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one then. Thank you a lot for talking with me tonight. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.